Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marvin's World Podcast. It's another one of our spectacular episodes. Now, if you like this podcast, give us a view on iTunes or Amazon. Share it with your friends. Most importantly, subscribe. Now, today's guest is a scrumptious, a dynamic. The, the, the transcensual Carolyn Blomberg. She's a comedian from the Twin Cities region, and she today is going to inform us the struggles and trials and tribulations of working within hospitals in America during this troubling and very challenging times. What what got you into comedy? What was your what was your journey into becoming a comedian, and now nurse bloody during COVID times? Well, I'm not a nurse. I hope you don't think that I'm a nurse. Oh, I'm, yeah. Um, oh, we can talk about what I do. Uh, but the reason I got in, you want to know the reason I got into comedy? Yes. In the first place. Um. Well, I started watching Saturday Night Live when I was in like junior high i don't know what you guys call it over there middle school like 11 12 years old um and i just i loved it and the era of snl that i got really into was like the early 90s which had a lot of stand-up comics in it so i was like oh that's how you get on snl you'd be a stand-up comic and i guess i didn't know or understand that a 99% 99% of the people who get on SNL are improvisers. So, but I started doing comedy, like stand-up comedy when I was 20 um, at a place called Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. And uh, I was getting up fairly regularly. I was enjoying it, but I was, I was young. I was like 20, 21 and thinking like, oh, I should find like a, a real quote unquote real career. Uh, so I went into being a paramedic <laughs> and I had with the plan of being a nurse someday um, because my mom is a nurse, but that's not a reason to do anything because your parents do it. So yeah. I became a paramedic. I worked Ooh. as a medic for a little while. Must be and exciting. Must be lots of drama. and It was kind of, I mean, there's, I guess it might be comforting to know that it's pretty, I had a pretty boring time. (laughs) I had a couple good, good, quote unquote, not good, but interesting calls um, that were pretty crazy. But for the most part, it was just like sitting around waiting for calls and like somebody has a stomach ache and you bring them in kind of a thing. But you never know what you're going to get. So that was exciting. but the whole reason I left, I, the, I wasn't a paramedic for very long. I really enjoyed learning and like learning all, all about being a paramedic, but the actual like driving the ambulance and like all this, the work that goes into it, it was like, ah, maybe that's not for me. 
And I was also so young. I was like 23 at this point, just a little baby. I didn't know what I wanted for real, but that was super interesting. So I just followed that for a while. And then uh, I moved to Denver to work as a paramedic when I was 23. And I was so isolated from my family who all of them lived here in Minneapolis. And uh, I really didn't like it over there because it was very lonely. So I moved back after like seven months and worked as a paramedic for a couple, like a casual paramedic position. And then um, I've worked as like a nursing assistant and an ER tech and ICU tech and stuff like that. But right now the thing that I'm doing is not, I don't have to like mend any wounds or like wipe anybody's butt right now, which is really nice because uh, I get to, I just check people in for their procedures that they're getting like cardiac procedures and, um, and then like imaging stuff like x-ray MRIs and stuff like that. So it's not a very interesting job, but during the par or the, during the paramedic, during the pandemic, um, it's been kind of crazy. And I don't know if you have any specific questions about that. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, it must be, it must because I spoke to someone in the UK hospitals and he says like so many different facilities have had to be cancelled because of in his hospital because of COVID so there used to be a pediatrician unit in his hospital and oh, some other body part but because of COVID boom yeah yeah I know um it was weird when it first started becoming a thing like a known thing about a year ago now um and i remember thinking like i was a little anxious about it knowing it was gonna it was gonna come i mean it was already like crazy in italy um and of course we weren't prepared at all and as a country and we weren't taking precautions as a country so of course it went rampant as soon as it got here but um I remember finding out that like we had a case, a COVID case in our hospital. And I don't remember exactly, I think it was March. And I remember being really anxious to hear that. And then like, they didn't know if it was on uh, surfaces or if it was aerosol or how people got it necessarily at that point. Um, so I was kind of freaking out and getting anxious about, you know, I don't know, like so many people work at this hospital who knows what they've touched or where and what have I touched that they've touched and like, you know, and who have they, like if they've taken care of a COVID patient and all that, but pretty quickly we locked down thing, locked things down. Like uh, we stopped allowing visitors to come with the patients. So it was just only the patients could come. Um, and we were doing screenings at the door, which were like asking, a bunch of questions you know have you been out of the country have you do you have any like a dry cough sore throat fever headache and we would take their temperature um which it turns out isn't even a decent indicator that we found out um and oh and they put up a bunch of like plexiglass around our desks and of course everybody had to start wearing masks and uh, a lot of people were wearing like those face shields and um, protective glasses and stuff and um, yeah it was pretty weird 
it was pretty weird because before that our hospital was like bustling with people all the time with visitors and volunteers and uh, like people would come and play the piano in the like outside hallway area and they had to like shut it all down and cover the piano and it was just suddenly like very quiet in the hospital it was eerie and i mean has have things died down a bit or just things are still going mad 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 no things in minnesota are getting better um our numbers are going down and we're doing a good job of getting people vaccinated i've been vaccinated i'm super grateful just uh since i work in the hospital which i feel almost kind of guilty for being for getting it because i'm not a nurse and i'm not a nursing assistant or a doctor who's like in there with the patients but i do have face-to-face contact and i do touch people all day so i guess that's warranted that i would get it but it just i don't know as a healthy like 35 year old it feels weird to have gotten one before some other people who probably deserved it a little more but um it's gotten a lot better because our numbers like i said are going down and uh in the hospital they've now we're allowing one visitor per patient to come in so people can you know it was really sad during the summer when we couldn't bring have patients have family with them especially if like elderly people or people who needed um more help or like who needed interpreters or you know disabled people and stuff like that so it was pretty tough when you couldn't let anybody in and now it's a little nicer to like it's easier to handle the whole thing because we don't have to worry about some of the patients who need somebody with them all the time do you know what i mean yeah yeah um yeah so things have and, and now like our whole hospital as far as i know um at least for the people who want to get the vaccine uh we're pretty much 100% 100% vaccinated. So I'm not as, I'm not nearly as worried as I was a year ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been a strange, the whole, the whole weird, strange year of strangeness. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. This is, this, I mean, well, it's going to be a strange two years. Oh, more than that, even. But for, like, just not, not saying that it'll, continue i don't think i hope not for the next couple of years but just the aftermath of it in terms of the economy and families and the horrible things that have happened like how do we move forward from all of this and also one thing is there'll be less comedy gigs and we'll have yeah. to probably start doing gigs in parks <laughs> yeah honestly you know i did a couple shows outside this last summer and it was they were fine i mean it's not at all the same because obviously it's not the same i mean your whole audience is wearing masks so you can't see their smiles and um for the one that i did it was an evening show and they forgot that they needed lights for if they're gonna do an outside show in the evening so i kind of did a show in the dark um but it's i mean it was fun it's just like a weird experience to go through um but I, I did my first show back in like a real club the weekend of Valentine's Day. And the reason I was comfortable doing that was because 
a I've been vaccinated so I felt a little more solid there and then um, it was in St. Paul which is just the city right next to Minneapolis and uh, I had done a show there before so I knew the venue I knew that they had really high ceilings and like I knew that they were taking precautions and everything so I felt a little more comfortable doing that versus a show maybe like in North Dakota or something where they don't have the same precautions that we do here. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you've mentioned some things that are definitely kind of interesting because you did you just say that earlier that the temperature is not necessarily a good sign of whether someone has it or not. Oh yeah. Um well first of all I mean there it's not a it's not a symptom for everyone who has COVID or has had it. Um because some people don't even know they have it they feel okay um and i don't know what the percentage is on like how many people had a symptom of a fever for it but there was just one instance where like it wasn't even for our hospital it wasn't even um like medical professionals doing the temperatures which i guess it doesn't need to be necessarily but um they like redeployed the valet guys to do like security guards to do it. And we had the like forehead scanner kind. And one patient, like they did the forehead thing and it came up as 94.2 or something like that. Um, and I don't know what that is in England. So they would take temperatures at the door at the very beginning and they found that it wasn't really necessary because a lot of people who had COVID didn't have a fever. Um, and then also the people who were taking the temperatures were just, they were like redeployed valet people who weren't like, we weren't having visitors, therefore there's no reason for valet. Um, I guess that's not necessarily true. Like they stopped valet, whatever. Anyway, it was just these guys taking temperatures and they would do the forehead kind. And one patient, they scanned her and it was like 94.2 or something and that's degrees Fahrenheit so I don't know what it is in England sorry um <laughs> and uh she was like that's not right that's can't be right and the guy was like whatever that's what we got and it's like well no that's it's just proven to be inaccurate anyway so they stopped doing that um because normal human body temperature is like 98.6 on average so 94 would be like a dead person so yeah. yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because yeah important to other things because i'm really intrigued to talk about the, the safety measures that comedy clubs put in, in case because mm -hmm. one of the places that i'm on comedy shows i was only allowed to have 12 people in and mm -hmm. yet yeah, one of the things was that we were supposed to take the temperature and yeah. like you wash your hands and all that and I don't know, it just felt, I'm not too sure what to make of it, but it was, I think the really weird thing in the UK, we had this tier system. Certain areas in the UK would get really tough restrictions, certain areas wouldn't, and then they would vary it based on the region, and they had this eat out to help out thing, where they give massive discounts on food. Mm. It... It's good that they want to put money in the economy, but I feel a lot of things in the UK were maybe rushed and they oh, tried yeah. to rush 
it's a bit like with crime or something like you save money with having less police but if you have less police then it gives criminals more time and more efforts to do crimes which costs more money right yeah it's i mean talking about i don't know do you want to talk about crime because i am in minneapolis and that's like (laughs) a pretty huge place for everything going on in america with cops and stuff right now so i'm i don't know if you wanted to talk about that or if it was just an example it was mostly an example because i feel that what in the UK we basically tried to prioritize, oh, we're losing a lot of money economy and we yeah. weren't being cautious about it. Well, that's a lot of places in America. And the thing is, um, each state has their own government, essentially. So the governor gets to make the decisions about whether people are need to wear masks all the time, whether things need to be closed down or restricted. And because everything in America is politicized, uh, the dem, you know, it turns out that it wearing a mask turned into a political statement somehow, or not wearing one somehow, and therefore, you know, Republican governors, because they want to, like, they want to have the support of their constituents, and if they're in a red, as in Republican state, they might not have been as tough about masks as they could have been and then in the blue states like minnesota which is the democratic um they really did crack down pretty good and and people weren't happy about it but our numbers prove that we did the right thing i mean it could have been better Mm. i mean and and it could have been better not necessarily from a government point of view but from an individual point of view because so many people, I mean, I remember this past summer, um, one of my biggest things that I had to do all summer was telling people to put their masks on correctly because they were putting them on under their noses <laughs> and, and in a hospital. Like, I wouldn't do that in real life, you know. I would, I don't know, I, I don't have the nuts to, like, confront people if they're not wearing a mask. Uh, in real, in public, but when it's my job at a hospital, you know, and people were getting so mean about it. Like I would ask them, hey, can you just cover your nose while you're here? And people would say like, why? And like try to start a whole convert, like a whole argument about it. And it was just, it was really um, stressful. I had a really, I had like a mental almost breakdown at the end of the summer and I had to take a couple days off and it, I really needed it because there was a lot of verbal abuse from people um, about mask wearing. For some reason, people just couldn't just do it. I don't know why it became such a big, mm. like, individual rights issue. So weird <laughs> to me. Yeah, it's a bit mad. I think, yeah, it's two things there. I mean, like, what you said there is a bit like people going on a meagle. They've had a bad day, so they want someone to shout at. And then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other bit you're talking about is, yeah, I don't think people when they're flouting the rules and not taking this virus seriously are not really looking at the effect that how hard it is for people in hospitals. And I, the virus is serious. It is causing a lot of lives and is causing damage. It may not 
we got half a million people dead in the America. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. Do you, I think even with all the videos and like news are news showing the damage it's doing, people are still ignoring it. You know, all these conspiracy theories, all these things going on. I think. I don't know what to do to make people aware of it. And then you have these anti-mask protests in London and you have to, it's just, but you're making more of what you don't want when you do stuff like that. I know that's just so backwards. It's I, when I see people doing that kind of stuff, it makes me think that they can only see like to the end of their nose, like the, about the situation, you know, they're not seeing the ramifications of, their actions or how it could affect other people or i mean i would hope maybe that's it or they're just assholes and don't actually care about other people and that's just about their individual rights and they're willing to die on this hill potentially literally and that's i just don't understand it's so bizarre it's so bizarre it's like a black mirror episode <laughs> how is it for you and like your colleagues in the hospitals how i mean it's how has things changed? I mean, obviously it's a hard enough job working in hospitals, but with this going on, it must be, as you said, having a big effect on the mental health of a lot of your colleagues and like the, the atmosphere. Mistakes are probably being made as well because of the stress. Yeah, and I mean, just human nature. Um, I think it's, it's ugh, I'm trying to even remember before, before the pandemic. Um, because it's changed because uh, in, in ways like, I don't know, it's hard to explain how things have changed for some reason. They, the, my coworkers, a lot of them in different departments, if they are in their own little areas, will not wear their masks. And there was a, um, a whole rash of people who gave it to each other in one of the departments because they had a freaking party this last fall and it's like you guys are in healthcare what are you doing like you're not you're you're the ones who are supposed to know what to do and follow the rules on this and yet they were still going out and going to bars or whatever and people are still right now i mean even though things have gotten better it's still an issue that isn't gone and you still are at risk and I have coworkers who are going on trips to Florida which is like a place where it's really bad and yeah I've got coworkers going on vacations and not really caring and saying things like well I'm gonna live my life the way I want to live my life it's not I'm not gonna let this ruin my life and it's like okay I kind of understand I get the frustration but this is like, this could be done. This could have been done already, been over, if you had just followed the rules in the first place. If everybody had just hunkered down and like really watched it, we could be at the, we could have been at the end tail of it, but here we are. Yeah, and that's just not like with the people you work with, not just with the whole of like, it's the whole world. People, everyone is, is needs, you know, when they're blaming governments or they're blaming this and that, you all of us could have stopped this we could yeah. have sorted it out if we'd actually just done as we were told some instances you should just do as you're told yeah and i don't know i mean this whole last year for america has been such a 
oh man, it's just been like a really crazy last year in so many ways with the pandemic, with the trash president that just left, with racial issues and cop relations and all kinds of stuff and fires oh my god i forgot about the fires <laughs> like, oh the kind of, like insanity so it's been a very um tumultuous year for all of us and a lot of it for me anyway i can't speak for anybody else but it's really taught me or made it very apparent um how america can come off or is in reality compared to the propaganda that we've kind of been fed our whole lives of how great America is and we're the best ever and all that noise and it's like no we're not we're really not great we're really not that great <laughs> there's problems there's big problems that we need to address yeah there's big problems everywhere I mean one of the things is actually I'm not going to mention this because it's going to get political <laughs> I would. You don't want to talk politics, okay? Sorry, I've been I've been skirting politics this whole conversation. So. Well, the thing with um, fine, I will say a little bit. The thing is, like, there's a lot of um, there's all sorts of things going on with China, and there's all sorts of other so what wars that could happen that are going on right now with Iran, India, China, Taiwan, and all that, yeah. Korea. But and the, the, this is the wrong time for having all this as well. It's just all coming to a head, isn't it? I don't know, like what comes after everything, but it just feels like everything is all happening at once. So, one of the things I want to look at is like how how difficult has it been for people in the hospitals that are working them mentally to deal with these strains? So difficult thankfully i haven't i mean other than this just having harassed by people when i tell them to put their masks on that's like the the most that i've had to deal with but these poor nurses and doctors who have had to work um 24-hour shifts or something just insane amounts of time just i just want to make sure i'm not frozen we're good Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, but just having to wear those masks, like the N95s all day, and you see their poor faces just completely creased and like blistered and how tired they are and how emotionally exhausting it is to be with someone on like as they're dying alone in hospital because we're not allowing visitors, especially if you have COVID. Um, and being the last person this person sees or touches or hears or talks to, and you're in like a space suit and these poor people, I mean, God, like they don't even get a, a real hand to hold at the end, you know? It's like a gloved hand. I don't know, it's just so depressing. So I, I know that that's a big problem with uh, the healthcare workers and that's where a lot of the stress comes. And then on top of that, just seeing the people who are anti-vax and anti-mask and like, it's such a big middle finger to healthcare workers. 
So it's coworkers have been very um, stressed out for sure. And what have been some hilarious and funny moments you've had that sort of made your day where you forget about it? Like where someone's maybe pissed themselves or something or <laughs> I don't know. What's what's been what's been something that's been like, oh my god, amazing. Ha 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 oh, incredible. Oh my god. Okay. So I shouldn't okay, I I'll okay. Uh a manager <laughs> in my hospital. Um she can be kind of hot and cold and you never really know what her mood will be from day to day. So she'll either be like super bubbly and excited and happy to see you, or she'll just be quiet and sullen and surly and mean. <laughs> so you never know what to expect. It's kind of like walking on eggshells with her, but she overheard a coworker of mine talking. Um, and she, and my coworker supposedly said a bad word in like in ear earshot of patients and the manager wrote an email to her instead of like going back and just saying like hey watch your mouth there's patients out here um she wrote an email from like 10 feet away <laughs> and um it said please watch your language uh patients can hear what you're saying i heard a cuss word um just in the last couple minutes and um it's like a little while later, the manager goes back and she's like, do you want to know what the word I heard was? And my coworker is like, yeah, I do, actually. And she said, asinine. <laughs> like asinine? Asinine is the bad word that you heard? That's not a bad word. That's just a word. And she's like, it's a bad word in my book. I was like, well, your book is wrong. The book, your book is wrong. Because the whole situation is asinine, that you even came back there and said asinine was a bad word. I don't know. I love <laughs> it. Is that so a bit weird. of material you're going to write in? I... Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It's just like so ludicrous that she thought asinine was a bad word. That's how you live your whole life to like 60 something and not know that asinine is just a word. <laughs> People live interesting lives we're all different we're all worlds we're all we contain we all contain multitudes of different spheres and faces <laughs> we are like onions just need to re unwrap them peel at a time i don't know whatever <laughs> <laughs> but i mean how have you managed I'm, I'm guessing you must be happy in a way that some gigs are back where you're from because you can unleash a lot of your steam from what's going yeah. on. <laughs> you know, I'm doing, so I did that weekend and that was three shows and it was really good. It was weird because it was the first time in a year that I've been back in a real inside room, you know, doing a show for people inside a building. Um, and it was weird because I did a lot of my joke, like all my jokes from before the pandemic because it really hasn't been a very creative time for me in that, you know, all this time of not doing comedy, you would think that maybe it would be a good time to write comedy, but um, it's been pretty hard actually to be creative in that way. Um, so I did a lot of my jokes from pre-pandemic and they just felt like old clothes that don't fit right anymore. Like I just, they're not, it's, it's just in, insane like how much I've changed in the last year from all of this um 
and I have another gig coming up, a, a run of shows uh, mid-March. So I'm thinking I'll have a new set or at least new jokes uh, to, to experiment with and be a little more comfortable. So I'm wearing clothes that fit, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there must be, you could probably do a whole hour probably on all the strange and difficult things you've had during your time during COVID, couldn't you? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's hard to, it, there's such a fine line between like telling jokes and venting, you know? Because at one point, like if you tell jokes that are getting a load off your shoulders, you can either be like Lewis Black and be super pissed and that alone is just like, you're going to be funny if you're that emotional, I guess, and angry about it. But if there's a certain point that you can get to where it just comes off as like the comic is relying on the audience as a therapist almost and it gets a little uncomfortable. Um, so that's a fine line to tread that I'd have to watch out for. It's a little... It's almost a little too um, fresh, I guess, to joke about. <laughs> and also, I, you know, I, when I did these these last couple shows, I didn't want to talk about anything going. I didn't want to talk about the pandemic. I didn't want to talk about politics because it's like these people are coming here to forget about all that crap and to just have a night out for the first time potentially in a year. Um, so I'm not really drawn toward jokes about politics or the pandemic or what or isolation or you know whatever at this point unless it comes naturally i just haven't come up with anything i guess the thing the thing that i find quite interesting is i mean yeah it's going to change the world completely because i just have an image in my head of like them being masks be on L'Oreal advert to something or Matthew like some Witt? like Thanks. in the masks we're wearing to protect the cover of our face they're going to be a lot more popular in the future as a piece of clothing I'm pretty sure you're going to see them on like adverts or something because you're worth it or something right yeah I mean I remember when we all started wearing masks in the first place and I was like, I don't want to buy like a fabric mask. I'm not going to, like, I don't want to admit that this is such a problem that I'll have to coordinate outfits with masks, you know, but here we are. So weird to see. it was weird to see advertisements for masks at like at some point after a few months or a month or something, then you started seeing like Instagram ads for masks and it was like, oh, okay, I guess this is real and now people are making money off of it gotcha bound to happen so you said a lot about what's going on in hospitals there's a lot of twos and fro's and lots of good and bad points of it but how has it completely as i mentioned before in the the guy i spoke to on covid in the uk he said that quite a few sectors have closed down as a result of covid has the same sort of thing happened in your hospital like a of units closed down yeah I don't yeah um there my hospital that I work in is not like a main COVID hospital I mean we had like a we had a specific hospital for COVID patients 
um, which I used to work at actually. And if I hadn't left, obviously, I'd probably still be working there or would have been anyway. Um, but we didn't have like a dedicated, I don't think we had a dedicated floor for COVID patients. Um, I know we have, uh, we have rooms that are like air sealed or like they're positive flow air, airflow rooms. So they're good, you know, originally, I guess for TB patients, but it also works for this because they're both aerosols or droplet, I guess. But, um, uh, we do have an area that had to move down to, oh, did I just, sorry, you can like edit this all together, right? Without, Because yeah. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Um, I guess we did, we must have had a COVID unit because our PACU or the post-operative area for recovery had to move to like another floor. So that's not an interesting, that's not interesting at all though. Okay. No, I'm just intrigued. And I find the healthcare system in America quite interesting as well. And it gets me a bit worried sometimes because I went over in America about three years ago. Yeah. And the thing that makes me get a bit worried is when, how much of um, healthcare in America is based on how much money you have? And how has that sort of affected in terms of like the co the treatment that people get for COVID? Um, we have laws here that say you need, well, at least in Minnesota, I don't know about other states, um, that say you can't refuse a patient care if they don't have insurance or if they don't have a way to pay for it. You have to take care of them if they're in the hospital. You can't turn somebody away. Um, and they're just, that's great and everything but then they do wind up getting a bill for $25,000 or something to get their appendix removed. And then we wind up doing the like dystopian thing of having people donate to a GoFundMe to care, to take care of another person's healthcare when it could be taken care of with like Medicaid for all, but anyway, or Medicare for all. But anyway, um, I, I don't know that there is it's such a complicated healthcare in America is so fucking complicated <laughs> and horrible. It's just a mess because it's tied to your employment. So you have to be employed to have healthcare and it might not even be the best insurance for that. And if you don't have money or if you're over 65, you can be on, or if you don't have a job and you're on, unemployment, you can get on Medicare, which would pay for your health care from like the taxpayers money. And I don't have a problem with that. I think we should all be on Medicare and we should all be taking care of each other because I'm a filthy communist. <laughs> but I know that there's areas in, in town that have like better uh, reputable clinics versus other areas in town. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like that is a part of it. And I mean, they just came out with this story from Florida again, where they're prioritizing these rich communities for their vaccinations over the poor communities. And it's just so blatant. 
it's like a, they made a VIP list for the vaccinations and it's like insane. They're there. You should probably talk to somebody from Florida. <laughs> you can find somebody from Florida. I'm curious about them, their experience too, but yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like bullshit in a way. Lots of like, they pretend to be, it's something else, but it's, yeah. you know, we know it's this. Oh, it's yeah. a bit like sometimes, I don't know if, if it, <laughs> they say that if, uh, what's it called? Oh, I've forgotten already what example is, but there's, there's so much bullshit with people. Like they, you know, I can't think of an example, <laughs> but you know, you know what, how it is. Shit. I mean, it's, if I, I think I'm picking up what you're putting down of like, are you talking about like people in power having being full of shit and like having a smile on their face while they lie to you to your face <laughs> or yeah. like the bureaucratic nonsense that gets in the way of people having a basic right like healthcare no it's definitely the first bit but also the second bit as well because we all should but and yeah. but the first bit when it's obvious bullshit that everyone can see but they all oh it's this oh wait yeah. this this or this i mean i don't know how what your view from over there is for our political landscape and like how messy it is right now and always but it seems like now it's been creeping up to like this whole, nobody is able in politics it feels like no one in politics is able to actually by be bipartisan and like work with the other side democrats and republicans it's like it's so down the middle now or it's so separate now and everybody's calling each other evil and like this you know you're bad and you're doing all you want is the worst for people when it's blatant lies and i'm i mean i'm just i'm clearly very liberal right so i see i see it mostly on the other side of them of the republicans being like telling straight up lies to their constituents about things like for example ted cruz going to fucking cancun and then he blames it on his daughters and then like turns out oh yeah i guess i was planning on being there for the whole week and people uh, somebody leaked our text messages and i wish people wouldn't be such assholes because that's something he said about when he you know went to tech or went to cancun during the whole texas uh snowstorm situation where he should have been there and so he says that one week and then the next week he shits on uh alexandria ocasio cortez and it's like well you just said don't be an asshole like a week ago but now you're being a fucking asshole so like where do you stand or like I could go on forever, but do you know who Mitch McConnell is? Or how, I don't know how well you follow American politics. I don't know, I'm afraid not. <laughs> no, that's all right. I could just, never mind then. He's, he denounced Trump for the January 6th insurrection and then just, and said he should be prosecuted for it. And then just the last couple days, he said if the GOP nominates Trump again in 2024, of course I'll back him. Of course I'll be on his. I'll be supporting that. And it's like, oh, you guys, <laughs> my God. They just lie on a, both sides of their mouth. Just so that if, 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 if whatever a 
works for them power wise and yeah, helps their cause only, yeah not only like they're just so brazenly lying and they think they can and they can they know they can because the propaganda stuff like fox news that he they know that their republican voters are watching are being just indoctrinized and radicalized by fox news to believe that Republican, all Republicans are great and they will, they're all good Christian people who love us and love, you know, they just want to get back to, to good old America and surprise, there was never a good old America, <laughs> which is, ah, ah, I could talk forever about politics. I'm sorry. Mm. But it, it's, I could ramble forever. <clears throat> How do you see sort of things changing for the future? after COVID? Um, in a social way, I think, like if we look at the 1918 pan pandemic, the roaring 20s came right after that. So I feel like once people, like once enough people get vaccinated and it's safe to open everything again, um, I think people are gonna go nuts and go to shows and there'll be parties and it'll be just, Awesome. I mean, awesome. I'm an introvert, so I don't know how I'll like it. But um, for my makeup business, it'll probably be good because if people want to go out and have a good time and get all fancy, I can do their makeup for them, right? Or I could yeah. just do jokes for them later on. <laughs> so I think it'll be good in a social way. Politically, I have no idea. And what about <laughs> in comedy wise? What do you mm. think is going to happen there? Um, I think things will open up again um, more and more and hopefully we can get away from being so distanced because one thing I noticed doing shows was that yeah people I mean we need to be distanced for sure but that also kind of that also takes away from the group joy of being in an audience when you're all just when an audience is all packed together it's like they become one organism and now they're kind of split off. So it's like two people over here, two people over here. And, and they're so used to watching Netflix and not really reacting to the TV. So they're not reacting to the comedy or maybe I'm just not funny. There's, there's possibility there too, but it's just interesting. I, I hope that it, people get more comfortable to laugh and you know, out loud and have a good time. Well, one thing's for sure, I hope they deal with any virus in the future, like in, in the bloody 90 years that it happens when a big virus comes like that, they, they bloody deal with it better and no silly excuse like what happened within China. And because this virus is Disneyland compared to some of the other viruses that we've been through and oh, that are yeah. out there. Yeah, if, if this virus had like disfigured people we would have been on top of it but since it's something you can't see and something that is it's it's hard i don't know it's invisible so therefore it doesn't exist for some people but if you knew when you got it because your face turned like i don't know messed up then maybe we would be done with this by now i don't know what I'm saying is people are selfish and vain. Yeah, 
and also that's what describes most of us as comedians. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. I am jealous of places like New Zealand and Australia, yeah. where they're able to go back to normal. When I saw a photo of New Zealand having a big soccer game, football, my bad, game. It's not right. <laughs> you can't say that. That's that's not cool. <laughs> um, it's like the, and the stadium was packed. It was just oh, just this pang of grief almost that we can't, we won't be there for a long time. Not that I like to go to soccer matches, but still just the fact that everything seems to be normal and cool there. Yeah. Yeah. Someday. And um, so with all the things that you've, you've worked with and like with being in the hospital and during all these difficult times, what do you think it's going to give you for the future? How is it going to shape you in terms of you being a comedian? And how do you think, how do you plan on making the most of your experience in COVID, being a makeup artist, this mm -hmm. and that, and be becoming a unique product? Yeah, of the, of the COVID times. Um, I, so this, so throughout the whole pandemic, I've been living with my parents because I moved back home in like August of 2019 with the intention of moving out in May of 2020. And since everything fell apart in March, I was like, well, I guess I'll just stay because if I move, I might not be able to see my parents. Um, so we can just quarantine together. And thankfully my parents and I are on the same page politically. So we didn't have, I didn't have to divorce my parents because they're big Trump supporters or anything. Um, and it's just been really, really nice to have this quiet time with my parents. And I, I feel bad calling it quiet time. But I mean, we've all been forced to like sit still for a bit and it's been great for my brain, but it's also made me kind of more of a thoughtful person, I think. I think I've been thoughtful beforehand, but now I've learned a lot throughout this whole pandemic slash George Floyd in our city slash like climate stuff slash everything and political stuff like there's been so much going on that it's been it's felt for me like vulgar to make jokes right now or like to be a silly goose <laughs> you know like I've just it's made me a lot less selfish I think because now I feel like self-promotion just doesn't feel good for me right now it feels weird to be like hey look at me look at me while the world is burning you know and instead it's made me want to help in a way that is more than just telling jokes okay. which means sorry <laughs> which means that i um i've decided to go to school to be a social worker so that's I guess I've just become a more thoughtful and hopefully more empathetic person, which might translate into comedy. I don't know yet. I'll have to find that out. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed that I'm still funny. 
But I think definitely whatever comedian you are, performer, you are going to be off the pace a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I know a lot of people are have been doing it throughout the whole pandemic. And, you know, no comment on that. But if, you know, people, some people have gotten a lot better during pandemic because they've been doing it regularly and some people have gotten really rusty like me because I haven't been doing it and I chose to I did zoom shows for a while and those were just depressing for me so I stopped so I just sort of put comedy on the back burner for this whole last year hmm. yeah. it just seems that you're, you're normally you'd be sharp on stage you'd be ready but what I've found is that you're like a minute slower than you'd normally be. Yeah. It'll be interesting to do these shows coming up because it'll be a total of five shows. So I'll have some more opportunity to mess around and get comfortable. Um, and my comedy is very, like, I'm not one to sit down and write out jokes. And like, I'll think of something while I'm doing something else and make a note in my phone and then mess with it on stage and use like my improv that I used to do, I guess, to create a joke about it. And having not had that opportunity, it just hasn't, I haven't been writing jokes. I've had some ideas, but I haven't had the opportunity to try them out. So maybe, and, and doing them on stage, I think is the biggest thing for me because I feed off of the audience's energy and yeah it's it'll be weird because the energy is different anyway so adaption i guess so you're more of a performer comic than a writer oh god yes <laughs> yeah, yes yeah writing makes me anxious yeah I, I no i'm the same i feel like whenever i've tried to write something and bring it on stage i get really worried that it works well so if i have a topic on stage and i just yeah. talk about it and just be honest about it the comedy usually comes, but then I forget to record it, and then that's yeah. what happens. Yeah, or I'll record it, but it'll just be a picture. Or one time I recorded a set, and it was like on, like speed up, like sped up motion the whole time. Oh. I don't know. It was cool. It, like it wound up being a cool little tape, but like of just like super fast forwarded me be doing comedy. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll it'll be weird to get back and. Are you doing comedy? Like, are, how are things open there? Yeah, we, we've just had lockdowns and we're doing Zoom shows, but most, we ain't going to start until April or May. Yeah. And I'm not really, I don't see much point until until things get back to normal. There's nothing to aim for in terms yeah. of stand-up. Yeah. One thing I've been grateful for is, like, this has kind of, at least for now, gotten rid of my jealousy of other comedy of like other comics the pressure of like the race to being i don't know hired somewhere or or getting this gig or opening for that person i don't it's not nearly as important to me as it was pre-pandemic how do people find out about you and can reach oh, yeah. you or like how did they find out about you so uh, you can go to my website, theblom.com, and that's T-H-E-B-L-O-M-B, -B, or carolynblomberg.com. Um, and 
you can find, I, I got to update it, but you can find my upcoming dates on there, which are the next five shows. Um, and uh, there's a little clip of my comedy on there. And uh, the next five shows, I suppose I should tell Faye, are at the House of Comedy in, in um, at the Mall of, the Mall of America. <laughs> so those are <laughs> the 16th oh. to the 21st. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, I want to say um, for people back home, um, if you've liked the episode, please share it with your friends. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or, or Amazon. <laughs> but I um, hope you guys have enjoyed it. You know where Carolyn is. Um, any last words? I don't know. Just wear your fucking masks. Get your vaccinations. And right. then go out and have fun. All right. Well, guys, wear, wear your effing mask, guys. <laughs> Are you clean comic? Do you prefer not to swear? Uh, I am, but this podcast, you can say whatever you want. Okay. All right. Cool. Because <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And, yeah. you know, if you're in, in the UK or if I'm in in Minneapolis, hopefully I'll see, see you. In... Once we're allowed to travel again, I'll come out there. Sounds hopefully. good. All right. Thanks, dude. Bye.